Welcome to Beyond a Parent, the podcast for Christians seeking clarity for parenting in a confusing world. I'm Chuck Mead. Hey, I'm Jeremy Autry. Uh, The Bible in Genesis chapter 1, starting verse 26, says this, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. From the very beginning, God has made it clear that there are two genders, male, female. The sex that God created you to be is His choice, and we must accept how God made us with full faith and trust that He knows best. But in our world, in our ever-increasingly confusing world, we see new terminology, we see um, new definitions of sex and gender and everything going on. And so, what we're going to do as we wrap up this um, little series we've been doing, um, talking about um, really just how to teach our kids um, what what God's Word says when it comes to matters of homosexuality, transgenderism, same-sex attraction, all those things. We want to kind of wrap this up talking about what God's Word says about our sex and gender. So, uh, there's some terms that we use in conversation and people outside of the church use in conversation about these topics that there's value in us defining at the the onset of this conversation. Uh, obviously, we've already mentioned what God's Word says. Now we'll spend a little bit of time, uh, Chuck, talking about these terms and what they mean, maybe what they mean to the world, and sometimes we might take exception to that. Yeah, so again, this is just helping us understand, if you've ever heard these this terminology, it's important to see what people mean when they say these terms. So according to probably the majority of, of society, the world, um, they would define sex as the biological makeup of males and females, Okay. Right, yeah, not to go too far down that road, but um, you understand what that means. We're talking about organs and what would be traditionally defined as a male or female. Mm -hmm. Then um, gender, they define as the culturally appropriate expression of one's sex. It's important to note this uh, culturally appropriate is an important phrase here because that's changed um, in different areas. That looks different in different parts of uh, the world and even in different parts of our country and throughout time. What's culturally appropriate for one sex or the other uh, has changed. Oh, yeah. Gender appropriateness can change from culture to culture because of different cultures' expectations. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, Gender binary is the classification of sex and gender into two forms of masculine and feminine. So if you've ever heard of someone claiming to be non-binary, they're saying they don't. Uh, they don't claim to be either male or female. We see from the scripture we read how that yeah. would conflict. There, there only is a binary option. Yeah. And uh, gender identity is an individual's personal sense of identity as masculine, feminine, or some combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Gender dysphoria is individuals who experience distress anguish, and conflict from their perceived gender identity. Uh, This one's fun. 
I, I remember literally Googling this term, cisgender. Uh, cisgender is people who have a match between the gender they were assigned at birth, their bodies, and their identity. Yes. So cisgender is just what we would think of as, this might be a controversial term, but normal. Yeah. (laughs) Remember, we are defining the world's terms. That's what we're doing right now. We're defining the world's terms. So when you hear these phrases, you're like, what are are they talking about? And lastly, transgenderism is an umbrella term for the state or condition of identifying or expressing an identity that does not match up with their biological sex. Right. So, um, again, we would take issue with that. Mm -hmm. Scripturally, as Christians, Bible-believing Christians, we would take issue with that concept. Yep. So, what the world does they in many different ways, but they try to point out very rare and small birth abnormalities as proof that male and female are more fluid. But that really just does not prove um, the legitimacy of these new definitions that keep popping up every day. It does not line up with what God says, as we read from the very beginning in those first few um, chapters and verses of Genesis are so crucial in how we understand God and His creation and His design. Right. So, these, I love the, the phrasing there, these rare and small birth abnormalities, um, it's not proof that that things don't still fit into this design. It is. It does make that specific situation, that specific instance, confusing. What's going on here? What is God doing? But it doesn't mean all of the realm of sexuality and gender is suddenly confusing because those situations are confusing. Yes, because when um, the fall of man, when Adam and Eve sinned, and that brought the curse on the earth, that brought uh, a curse through disease and birth abnormality. So, for example, if someone was born without legs or without arms, that does not mean that that proves that we don't need arms or legs. That is just a specific instance of an abnormality um, as a result of the fall. It's not how God originally designed yeah, things Yeah, nobody's walking around saying, oh, maybe I should have been born without arms because some people are born without arms. We would see that as absurd. Exactly. So, nowhere in Scripture do we see that your biological sex is different from your gender identity. In the eyes of God, your sex and gender are the same thing. We don't get to choose this. It was chosen for us by God himself. Uh, and that's really the um, that's where a lot of this attack lies. If if the world can get us thinking about gender and sexuality being two separate things, then it opens up this this uh, crazy amount of confusion. Yeah, and so we're not going to spend as much talking about. Um, about this, but the two genders, male and female, were established by God as equal in value with a difference in roles. So, we're not going to so, so much talk about gender roles as much, but that, that could be a conversation for another time. But Jeremy, a lot of times what people try to do is they try to pit the word like God of the Old Testament against Jesus of the New Testament. They say, okay, yeah, well, the Old Testament says this, but Jesus, um, he didn't have anything to say about this. And Jesus affirmed an LGBT lifestyle. So, what would we take from that? Well, first of all, um, Jesus is eternal. So, he was around in the Old Testament. First, second of all, the Trinity is God and Jesus is one person of the Godhead. But there's no position that Jesus has that the Father doesn't have, that the Holy Spirit doesn't have, 
and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matthew nineteen four, this is Jesus speaking. And he answered and said unto them, this is Jesus speaking here, sorry. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Mm-hmm. Binary, two options. So Jesus not only affirmed God the Father's view of gender, he set the example of how a perfect man is to act and how women are to be treated. I mean, Jesus set the perfect example and affirmed, did not contradict everything we knew about God and his design from the very beginning. I would say too that as we talk about stereotypes, Jeremy, and how do we see how do we see stereotypes, gender stereotypes affecting how we view the role of men and women? You know, I think this I think this leads us to uh, getting tangled up and tripped up sometimes because we as a culture and maybe the church is as guilty of this as anybody. We say, "Hey, this is what a guy is supposed to be like. This is a manly man, mm-hmm. and this is who you have to be if you're going to be a man." And then here's what uh, a lady, a woman is supposed to be like and look like and act like and think like. And if you are a real lady, then you are this. If someone feels like they don't fit into one of those categories, then now there's this room for confusion. If I grew up, and to, and to some extent I did, if I grew up in a world where you said, hey, guys know how to fix their cars and guys like to hunt and guys um, whatever, and I would not have fit into those categories. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to fix my car. Yeah. And um, if I hunt something, it's usually something to watch on Netflix, not, uh, or a bowl of cereal in my kitchen. I've never right. shot an animal in my life. You know, I run over a couple on accident, but uh, I wouldn't fit into those categories. So if we lean too heavy into these clear, um, supposedly clear definitions of what a man is supposed to be or what a lady is supposed to be, then of course, the more clear we try to be on those stereotypical definitions, the more people won't fit into them. And then they're left outside of that. And then, of course, they're left with the concept of there's got to be more than two options. Yes, And that's why it's very dangerous for us to lean too heavily into that. And there's also some really dangerous concepts that can come along with that. I can remember being a kid and not blaming any one person, but thinking, hey, men aren't supposed to cry. We're yeah. not supposed to show emotion that way. Mm. And, um, you know, wherever I pick that up from, obviously, it's an unhealthy view of what manhood is supposed to be. Yeah, so we need to disentangle what our cultures, and again, obviously, cultures, definitions, and expectations are always changing, but really traditionally, especially in America, the culture of this is what a man should be, we it's easy for us to try to blend that in and say, oh yeah, this is this is biblical. This is exactly the definition of what God says a man needs to be. And it's really not. It's just taking our cultural's our culture's expectations. And that really can lead to a ton of confusion among everyone, but specifically young people when they say, well, you know, for me and Jeremy, I'll put myself in the same category. I was not very athletically gifted. I was not in growing up. I thought, you know, all got, they have to be really into sports and good at sports. And yeah, you have to um, be interested in golf and hunting and all these things. And as a kid, especially as a, as a middle elementary age, middle school, boy, I'm like, that stuff doesn't 
excite me. That doesn't interest me right at that point in stage in my life. And I just remember like thinking that if you didn't fit this specific mold, then there was something wrong with you. Yeah. Well, the world is ready to to take people who are feeling they don't fit into that into their arms and say, okay, well, if you have these, if you don't have the typical interests of a guy, well, then maybe actually you weren't meant to be a guy. Maybe that um, you need to be a girl. Lean into all the the opposite culture of um, the os- opposite expectations of the other gender. Exactly. You know. Exactly. It's uh, and it's a scary concept because in reality. Nobody fits into any of it perfectly because it's not a true it's not a true statement of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman. It's always going to be imperfect. It's interesting to note how that's changed culturally through the years mm-hmm. and in different areas. You know, there are countries right now where boy babies are wrapped in pink blankets and girl babies are wrapped in blue blankets and that's completely normal for them. Right. And that doesn't mean they're wrong and unbiblical. It's just in their culture, that's, that's how things are handled. You right. Know? There was a time in America where men wore the high heels and women never did. And I don't want to go back to that. That's, <laughs> that sounds painful. Uh, there's a short joke there, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there was a time even further in history where men wore what we would consider today dresses, you know, and, um, and, we just look at that as historical, but um, when uh, somebody shows up with a man bun now, especially a few years ago when man buns really became a thing, yeah. the church went crazy. You yeah. know, what is a guy doing with a bun on top of his hair? He must right. be a sissy. And there's danger in that and yeah. us telling, especially a lost person, hey, you're not manly enough to be a man. And so now, but then at the same time, we tell them there's only one gender, you right. know? Right, and it, and the same I'm sorry, goes only two genders. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, and the same goes for women too. Is you know, oh, if you were born, and then they, you don't hear the term tomboy as much anymore. But like, oh yeah, if you have these interests that a traditional guy would have, in, right. oh well, maybe maybe that you uh, are the wrong gender, and maybe you need to start identifying yeah. as the other one. I mean, it's it's so when you really look into it, it really contradicts itself. Uh, in a lot of ways, because the world will really try to classify into two distinct genders, and oh, you were just the wrong one. You need to switch over instead of seeing. No, we're, these are these are cultural expectations built up. Yeah, know? yeah, and I so I think the truth is, um, and maybe we can rest with this definition here: sex and gender cannot be uh, separated. There's two sexes and therefore two genders. But that term gender, if it's the expression of your, of your sex, uh, it's broad. Mm-hmm. And it is not, we cannot narrow it down. We have to be very careful in trying to define it in a way that Scripture doesn't define it. Yep. Uh, there's great danger in us just looking at it through our little cultural lens and saying this is what a man should look like, and this is what a woman should look like. This is how they should think. This is how they should behave. This is how they should dress. This is what their interests should be. We have to be very careful with that. And so as parents, we have to be very careful with terminology like that. There's things that we say that just automatically lend themselves to that kind of thinking. And we have to make sure we're communicating this truthfully. So be careful with phrases like, um, man up. It's, you need to act like a man. You need mm-hmm. to um, 
there's room for things like that, but you need to be very careful with that. And uh, same thing with ladies. Uh, sit like a lady. You know, mm-hmm. some of those things are dangerous um, in in not what we're trying to teach directly, but what we're indirectly saying. So if your daughter is sitting in a way that's inappropriate because she's wearing a dress, explain that to her, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. instead, of, instead of just um, being lazy and using the shorthand. There, God's mm. word defines godly masculinity and godly femininity. And we've got to run to his word for the definition. And my mind goes to the two sons, Jacob and Esau, right? Esau, the way I heard it presented as a kid, was your stereotypical, this is a man's man. And I remember hearing Jacob was a sissy. And Jacob uh, worked in the kitchen with his mom. And I remember that being preached against. But guess what? God used Jacob, turned his name to Israel, and had him be the the father of uh, his chosen people under Abraham and who he used. And there's nowhere in Scripture that shows that. Uh, Jacob wrestled with his sexuality right. or wondered if he was cisgender right. or um, was attracted to men. Yep. There's none of that that went along with the fact that apparently in Scripture, he was closer to his mom. Apparently in Scripture, uh, he didn't like to hunt. Yeah. He wasn't super hairy and super strong. And, yeah. and he knew how to cook. He knew how to... I think he was smarter. But yeah, whatever, <laughs> yeah. He was more like me and Chuck, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, deceiver. But did you just call me and you deceivers? No, that but was, Jacob was. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, he was. Um, but so uh, there's real danger in us trying to twist Scripture to make it s- support points that we want to make with our kids. Um, let the This is a whole other topic, but let the Bible speak for itself and don't take your motives into that situation. Yeah. So, we have kind of looked at God's Word, and then we know just being in our world that there's distortions of God's view of sex and gender. So, some people in our day and age feel like the body they were born with doesn't match how they feel on the inside, and society celebrates that and tells you that if you ever one time had a feeling or thought of what would it be like to be a different gender... You have a then that means you have a different gender identity. You need to chase after those feelings, lean into them, and that's what transgenderism and non-binary identities come from. Think about that concept. It's very dangerous for us to lean into feelings without considering them and what the source of them is and what the cause of them is. It's very dangerous for us to just say, "Oh, you had this thought." It must be who you are. So yep. lean into that. We wouldn't encourage that in any other area. Oh, you thought about punching somebody in the face? You must just be a puncher. Yep. So it's fine for you to mm-hmm. live your life this way. When people get on your nerves, just punch them in the face. Oh, you thought about taking something that wasn't yours? You're a thief. That's mm-hmm. just who you are. Yep. So lean into that yep. and embrace it and... Like, that's crazy. Exactly. The Holy Spirit gives us uh, victory over all sins, including sins in the mind. I remember someone telling me, um, I think this was Dolan Williams, explaining the thoughts in our head, and sometimes they're like rocks floating or things floating in the river, and your thoughts in your head are just like floating by. And sometimes uh, a very out-of-the-blue intrusive thought pops by, and you pick it up, you look at it, and you don't have to lean into it. You just throw it back in the river. Uh, if If you're dwelling on it, you confess that to God and just let that float on by. There's things that pop in our head that we may not have control over. We don't have to completely dive in and say, oh, man, this thought crossed through my head. This must be who I really am. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, uh, if you follow that, especially when we're talking about children and their imagination, if you follow that thinking too far, it just becomes ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I daydreamed about what it would be like to be a bird and fly. Yeah. That doesn't mean really I'm a bird and I should try to figure out how to accomplish that physically. Right. Like that's nonsensical. Right. So we don't live by our feelings. We're not bound by the distorted or sinful thoughts that coast along in our heads. They do not define us and we don't have to live by them. But we do need to see that Jesus does care about our feelings. So he knows what we love, what makes us scared and sad. He knows when we feel like we don't fit in, when we wish we could be different. And he loves us so much that he died for us. So if we struggle with thoughts like this or anything else, Jesus sees and knows us, loves us with an everlasting love, right? And so Hebrews 4, 4, I'm going to read um, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, where it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So, anything you want to say, Jeremy, about Jesus knowing, maybe not every single thought, but Jesus knowing what we as humanity experience and the feelings that we have. This is a big part of uh, his incarnation, he came here and he experienced being human mm-hmm. um, so that when we come to him with our struggles, it's not a foreign thing to him. Uh, and I think this is important if we're talking about if your kid is struggling with this yeah. um, and uh, in the world that we live in today, this is the message that's being taught to them on a multitude of fronts. Um, so it's important that we make sure our kids understand this is something you can talk to Jesus about. Mm-hmm. This is something you can talk to me about. It's very important. We yeah. talked a lot about open communication with our kids, not freaking out when they bring us something that makes us uncomfortable. But they need to know that they also can bring this to God. Like he's waiting to talk to them about this and to help them with this and to be there for them. Um, sometimes when we think about or the world thinks about something that's contrary to scripture, they think, well, we can never talk to God about that. And uh, the, my prayer time isn't a time for this or the church or my Christian parents aren't the people to talk to this about. That doesn't line up with scripture. Jesus is ready to be there for you and for your kid if this is something that you're going through. Yeah. Um, another thing that I thought about it in just in, in times I've heard of teenagers and kids who have struggled with this is a lot of times people in the world promises that if you if you're experiencing pain, if you've been bullied, if you've been mistreated, then if you just uh, if you uh, like really are experiencing these pains, then if you change your gender, if you start imagining and experiencing what it would be like to be the other gender, that's going to fix all your problems. And that's the way it's presented a lot of times in this struggle. It's not so much even even a sexual reason. It's just, man, I am uh, bullied. I am mistreated. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And the, what, uh, what our world often says is, oh yeah, if you just changed, changed your entire gender identity, then that's going to make you feel better. Yeah, you're a, a round peg in a square hole, and yes. let's just make you a square peg in a 
square hole and right. fix. So we we've already talked about how God created everything through Jesus, and so the Jesus, uh, Jesus and God of the Old Testament, like we can't pit them against each other because Jesus has always existed, and um, He was there from the beginning. God created everything through Him, including male and female. But Jesus also teaches that we shouldn't always trust our feelings. Um, we find our true selves not by following our heart, but by following Jesus. So, when our desires don't line up with following Jesus, we need to trust Him. Matthew 16, Jesus literally says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. So good. So, we must trust Jesus with every desire that leads to sin by denying them, taking up our cross, following Him. So, that means trusting Jesus with our desires, um, even when it's hard. Um, Taken out of context with the rest of Scripture, this sounds crazy. My kid is struggling with this. They think their identity uh, gender-wise is different from their sex. And then you're showing me a Scripture that says, hey, just deny yourself and follow me. But the truth is, as our Creator, He knows us better than anybody else. He knows what we are and who we were meant to be. And following him is actually the greatest good instead of us missing out on living the life we had planned for ourselves. Yeah. So, and we see this all through um, scripture, especially in getting into the New Testament, that through the Holy Spirit and support of the church, we don't have to be enslaved to our feelings. God, or Jesus doesn't ask us to do this alone if our kids or someone we love is wrestling with these thoughts. If they are followers of Christ, He gives us His Spirit and gives us His body, other Christians, for help. And so, not only does should the church be a safe place where you're able to talk to someone or someone experiencing these um, these struggles, these feelings should be free to talk to someone who can point them to God's Word. There's also many solid Christian resources, Christian counseling organizations that really help those who are feel bound by these, by the really just, for lack of a better term, with gender dysphoria, who, who are struggling with these feelings. Yeah, and so, uh, it's our job as the church to be used by God to love people and to uh, embrace people, not their sin, but people, and to uh, care about them regardless of whether we can identify with the struggles they're going through or not. So, I know we're not, we're more so approaching, okay, what does God's Word say about this? But, um, Jeremy, kids, um, or many parents listening, I'm sure are going to have kids who have classmates or co-workers who would identify as transgender, non-binary. It's becoming more and more common. Um, how would we encourage them? Obviously, we want to be careful just with every with everybody our kids come into contact with. We don't wouldn't want them to be their best friends and pull them down with them, but how would we encourage our kids to at least just interact with those? So, I, th- I feel like there's two-pronged answer to that question. The first is not allowing someone with an unbiblical, sinful perspective to influence my perspective. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a way to interact with somebody who believes incorrectly Mm -hmm. about a 
whatever, about anything, to be able to interact with them without allowing them to influence what I think. And the, the answer to that is that I stay grounded in Scripture. So the yeah. answer for your kid is the same thing, that they stay grounded in Scripture, that they're studying what God's Word has to say about that instead of only listening to their friend's experience. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we don't allow non-binary people to influence the way our children think. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's important that we teach our kids to remember a couple of biblical concepts about how they deal with all people. Yeah. All people were created in God's image. All people are loved by God. And we are called to love all people. The Bible says for us to love our neighbors as ourselves, and then goes on to define our neighbor as every other person on the planet. Right. So we are called to respect and love people who have wrong opinions about gender and sexuality and who are living out wrong opinions about those things. We're called to love them and respect them. Mm. And I think too, as, as we, as parents and um, adults begin um, being more exposed to this just by being out in the world and working, I, I just know from people I've worked with in the past who would be considered transgender. I mean, it's very, it's a fine line to walk between, you know, we want to not compromise our beliefs, but also be gracious and kind. And I know people disagree on this, but the big buzz question is, should you use their preferred pronouns? That's a big buzz question. And Jeremy, we may disagree on this. Um, But I lean towards I'm not going to uh, promote or I'm not going to give in to a lie or delusion from God's word. And so I, per, what I tend to do in that situation is I'm just not even going to use pronouns. So I'm not going to use your biological pronouns that I think got, that God has given you to just like offend you straight to your face, but I'm also not, not going to give in to your delusion or your confusion and give into that. But if they say, my name is this now, and it's a proper name, I'm going to use whatever proper name they, um, they get me. It, it is interesting that we get hung up on that. Yeah. Um, this is the name that I go by. But if somebody has a nickname, we have no problem right. using that. You have no problem calling your friend Tiny or yeah. Boo Boo or whatever. Uh, my my first name's Robert. No, nobody calls me that. <sighs> It's out of the bag now. Yeah. Um, Pastor Bob, you can call me. I don't wow. Know, but I mean, I, I go by Jeremy. Yeah. I, this is what I go by, you know? So uh, it's weird that, I don't know, I'm not trying to judge anybody yeah. for the stance they take, but I'm with you. Uh, if you want me to call you this name, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a, a big deal. If there's a girl named Samantha that we call Sam, Sam's a guy's name, I'm not flipping out about mm-hmm. that, you know? So I just carry that same concept through. Uh, but I think, and whether you fall differently on that particular area, that particular concept of pronouns and names, uh, Chuck and I agree. I'm not telling you that's what the Bible says, but I fit into the same thinking as you. But I guess what we're trying to point out is I want to respect this person mm-hmm. and I don't want to just respect them from afar. I want to love this person and I don't want to just love them conceptually. I want to show them respect and love. The Bible's not just saying when we love our neighbors, that it's just a warm feeling that we have from them from across the the state. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, 
uh, I show them respect and I show them love in the way that I interact with them, which requires me to interact with them. Right. And we want to teach our kids to do that too. But at the same time, we want to cling to the truth of Scripture. We're not going to compromise on what God's Word clearly says, and not going to aff- we're, we're not going to affirm or celebrate something that's against Him and His Word. So we know that's a that's a hard line to follow. That, but that's what Jesus was. Jesus was full of grace and truth, and I believe under the direction of the Holy Spirit and in living in step with Him, then He gives us the wisdom and discernment how to handle those situations. Anything else you want to say along these uh, lines, Jeremy? I think probably if I was just trying to tie a bow, uh, what you were just saying, um, the answer to this, the real answer to this, and I'm convicted by it because I don't know that I'm doing a great job at this. The real answer is for me to stay so close to Jesus that once I find myself with the opportunity to interact with someone who uh, is struggling with figuring this out or has already decided wrongly about this situation. Mm-hmm. I want to stay so close to Jesus that I can respond in that situation like he would. Yeah. And what that means is that I'm reading his word, that I'm talking to him, that I understand the truth, and then that I'm filled with the spirit so that I can walk in that truth while also walking in love. Yeah. Um, and Jeremy is completely incapable of doing that. You know, and your kid is completely incapable of doing that, and you are completely incapable of doing that on your own. Yeah. Um, But God is more than capable. Yeah. And so we, as living as salt and light in this world, it's um, we must not shun, insult, belittle, make fun of people who are within a um, uh, in a lifestyle that we believe is unbiblical. Um, our, it's our job to tell them about Jesus, show them his love just as we did would to anyone. But loving people doesn't mean we agree with all their decisions. doesn't mean we, mean we celebrate their lifestyle. Um, but God gives us, walking with Jesus, gives us that wisdom and discernment to know how to speak that truth and love. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Beyond a Parent. Remember, parenting is beyond us, but in Christ we have all that we need for this journey. Peace out.